Hi everyone and welcome to Take 10 for Torah number 772. I hope you all are well. Any questions, comments, suggestions, recommendations, or sponsorships, email me at rabbiesmach at take10fortorah.org. This 10 is sponsored by the Lewis family in memory of Fred Lewis, Fabla Yitzchak, Ben Aftali, David, Zechron, Alavrach, and the Torah we learn, be an Eli for his neshama. This coming week's parasha is parasha's Korach. In parasha's Korach we have the very well-known debate between Moshe and Korach, or I should say the very known complaint of Korach, and he attempts to debate Moshe. It doesn't go very well. Uh, ultimately, Korach Adaso, Korach and his people, they do not uh, survive the Machlokas, they do not survive the debate, and things go pretty poorly. What was the crux of his debate? So I don't want to talk so much about that right now, but I want to talk about how Chazal understood the upshot of this discussion. And that is, what was it that Korach and his people, his band, said to Moshe? Rav lochem kichol ha'ida kulam kedoshim uvesocham Hashem. The entire Ada, the entire congregation is holy, and amongst them is Hashem umaduatis nasu al kahal Hashem. And why do you raise yourself over the rest of the congregation? And so, in this claim, the claim seemingly is, listen, uh, everybody's holy, everybody experienced revelation, why is it that there has to be a Kohanic class, why is it that there are some people who are more special, we want a piece of that, everybody should have a piece of that. Now on its face, it doesn't sound like such a bad claim, it seems that you know he makes a good point, but at the same time, we know that uh, he wants it too easy. The, the idea that Rav Hirsch makes and others make is that the idea of Kulam Kedoshim is Vihisem Kedoshim. We're able to be holy. We have the capability for holiness. We have the potential for holiness. Not that we automatically are. You can't just walk into a room with a bunch of Svarim, as Korach claimed, and assume no mezuzah is required. You need to actively go and put up a mezuzah. You can't just wear a garment that's full of tzacheles and not put on the fringes of tzitzis. You can't do that either. Uh, you have to actively engage. You have to go be yisam kadosh and become holy. And so in that understanding, Korach made a mistake. He was wrong. Not It's not true that kulam kadoshim. It's true that all can be, but not yet are all kadoshim. But the interesting thing is that what we take away from the story relates not so much to the notion of Kedusha or the notion of Moshe's power, uh, Moshe's leadership, but rather it's really something else. What it says over here in Bamidbar Perekyut God tells us that you're not supposed to any longer be like Korach and his people. That's a lav in the Torah, do not be like Korach. But the way this is understood is not don't have uprisings against against the leadership. Don't do that. That, that is what you would think would come out of this. Rather, it's something else entirely. The Yomar Sanhedrin tells us, over Anybody who engages in machlokas transgresses a lav, transgresses a negative prohibition, as it says, And so the upshot, the takeaway from the story of Korach, doesn't really deal with leadership, but it deals with how to have a machlokas, how to debate, how to argue. So we know that this is how Chazal really took away from uh, the story of Korach, and so much so that there's a Mishnah that puts Korach as the paradigm, as the exemplar of bad machlokas. There's a Mishnah of us that says as follows, Any machlokas that is for the sake of heaven, will last. If it's not for the sake of heaven, it will not last. That's interesting, right? You would think, that sofal hiskaim lasting when it comes to a machlokas is bad, and not lasting is good. And yet the one that is l'shem shemaim, that is for the sake of heaven, that is sincere, that is principled in nature, that's the one that's going to last. L'shem l'shem shemaim, that one ain't sofal hiskaim. It's not going to last. Okay, so ezuhi machlokas shi l'shem shemaim. So we define what are these two categories. 
So the first, Machlokas L'Shem Shamayim, Zu Machlokas Hillel V'Shamay. That's the Machlokas between this, perhaps the people, Hillel and Shamay, or the schools of Hillel and Shamay. That's the Machlokas there. L'Shem L'Shem Shamayim, and what's the Machlokas that is not L'Shem Shamayim? Zu Machlokas Korach V'Chaladaso. That is the Machlokas between Korach and all of his people. Now, this is interesting because there are a couple of things that we note in the Mishnah. Thing number one is that when we're describing the Machlokas, which is L'Shem Shamayim, which is for the sake of heaven, it refers to the Machlokas of Shamay and Hillel. It has both disputants listed there. But then, when it has She'enu L'Shem Shamayim, it doesn't have both disputants listed. Rather, it says Korach B'chaladaso, unless it does. Some understand that when you read this Mishnah, you actually see the secret of what is the Machlokas Shalol L'Shem Shamayim, that is the fact that Korach did not really have a disputant. Moshe was not on the other side debating some other point. Korach came with a claim, but which is fine, but even his claim doesn't seem to be so agreed upon. It almost sounds like Korach v'chal adaso, as the Mishnah figures it. Korach v'chal adaso. They themselves were arguing amongst themselves. They couldn't figure out exactly what their agenda was. What were they driven by? What was it that they wanted from Moshe? It seems unclear. And so that might be the first secret we have we don't even have our stories straight. We can't even figure out what exactly we're arguing towards because we all have distinct and separate agendas. And so the Mepharshim talk about exactly what this Mishnah means, what it could be. I want to share with you a couple of ideas. And one idea is the Sofa uh, Lehiskayim um, refers to the people, uh, you know, the idea that it's going to last. The people will live to fight another day if they fight respectfully and they fight L'Shem Shemayim. Whereas in the story of Korach, the people are destroyed and there will not be any future fights because this fight will destroy them. That's one perspective of Rabbeinu Yonah. The Bartanura says something different. He says, Sofa, what, what's the goal? What's the goal of the argument? If the Machlokas is about finding out the truth, that is the Machlokas L'Shem Shemayim, which is defined by something which is Sofa L'Hizkayim. But if it's a Machlokas Shalol L'Shem Shemayim, it's not about the principle that we're debating about. It's not even about the arguments that we're making. It's about winning. It's about power. It's about control. It's about lording over the other person. In that case, that's Machlokas, machlokas which is Shalol L'Shem Shemayim. And so in doing so, he, he, he discusses a difference between the object that we are fighting over and the intent behind why we are fighting. He says it's the intent behind why we are fighting which will dictate whether or not this is a right machlokas or a not, right ma- not correct machlokas. Rav Matasio Hayutsari, in his commentary on Avos, he actually takes this a step further. He goes so far as to say that when it came to Korach, you know, we mentioned in the beginning that he has this uh, Kulam Kadoshim, everybody's holy, you know, what's wrong with that? He says, you're right, what is wrong with that? He actually did not make such a bad point. And would it be that he just asked the question and he wanted to have a discussion and have a conversation? No problem, we could have talked about it. But because of the intent that was seen by God, the intent and understanding what was Korach all about, that intent made it shalom l'shem shamayim. And so really, you know, when you have a machogos l'shem shamayim, you have two people involved. When you have a machogos shalom l'shem shamayim, then even one of the sides can totally undermine the whole machlokas like we have here, which might be why the Mishnah only presents one side of the Korach debate. Korach v'chaladaso doesn't say Korach v. Moshe, because one side of the machlokas can undermine the, the uh, I guess, the effectiveness or the high-level standing of 
that machlokas as being a machlokas l'shem shemayim. This idea comes up again even further when we talk about Hillel, Beis Hillel, and Beis Shammai. The Gemara tells us that Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai argued over dozens of things for a very long time. Finally, a Baskal comes out, and a Baskal says, you know what, the Halacha is like Beis Hillel. The Gemara says, I don't understand, since the Halacha is like both, they're both right, so why is the Halacha like Beis Hillel? So the Gemara says, they're nochin, the albonin, they're tolerant, they're, 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 um, they, uh, they're humble, and also, they present the other person's opinion, Beis Hillel. Not only do they present the other person's opinion, they actually put the other person's opinion first. They put Beis Shammai's opinion first, which is really great. It's like, you know, your kid coming over to you and saying, um, you know, we're fighting over who broke the window, and I just want to tell you, my brother feels that I broke the window. And then, I just disagree, I think he broke the window, and it was his fault. That's not usually how this works. And even if that is how it works, you present it in a way where it's clear to the person who's listening that you don't really mean that the other person uh, has an opinion to, to, to be held. And so, says the, the Maharal, why in the world would that be an indicator, though, of truth? Why would that be an indicator that we should pass him that way? Good, I understand, they're nice guys. But just because they're nice guys, that means... It's the type of thing that we should follow, the halacha. So the Maharal says, let me explain. He says, when it comes to Elub Elu Dir Elukim Chaim, there's a correctness to both of their positions. As a matter of fact, Beis Shammai was maybe even more technically correct. They were mechaded in Tvei. They were smarter. They were sharper. And so their decisions reflected that. But when you have an opponent who is willing to put your position first and not theirs, you have an opponent who is in good faith just trying to figure things out. And we can tell that they're not about power because they're willing to quote your opinion, state your opinion, and even state it first. We know they're not about just winning because they would never give credence to the other person's opinion. So we know that their intentions are clear. If their intentions are clear and are sound, it's very likely that if they're still arguing the point, it's because there's some truth to it or there's some more truth to it. And so says the Maharal, these midos are actually an indicator of truth. The way we decide what a machokas is all about is how it is waged, how it is fought over, what is the intent behind it, not only what are the people saying, but what are they doing and what are they feeling. Have a great day.